Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your world with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please turn back to Acts chapter 4 and this lovely passage that we read uh, this morning. Now, this morning, as October is our month of prayer, uh, we are continuing our series thinking about prayer and the importance uh, of prayer. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we thought about private prayer. And we thought about how Jesus spent time away from the crowds, indeed away from the disciples, and and he spent time in prayer. So often in the Gospels, uh, we see places where Jesus goes up on a mountaintop to pray. He spent time in prayer. And if Jesus, as the Son of God, spent time in prayer, then we also ought to spend time in prayer. And so a couple of weeks ago, we thought about what Jesus said to the disciples, that they were to make sure that they spent time uh, in private in prayer, uh, that prayer was was not just for show, uh, as it was for the Pharisees and some other teachers of the law. And then we thought about the pattern that Jesus gave the disciples to pray, something we've already prayed through this morning, the Lord's Prayer. That was the pattern that Jesus gave the disciples to pray through. Now, it's interesting to note, isn't it, that as far as I'm aware, the disciples didn't ask Jesus how to preach. It's a really interesting thing, isn't it? They didn't ask him how to preach. We get lots of books on preaching uh, nowadays, but the disciples didn't ask that. They didn't ask Jesus how to evangelize necessarily, or how to heal people. Well, certainly that's, that's not recorded. But the thing that was recorded was that the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. That's really interesting, isn't it? It shows how important prayer is. And I think that the disciples probably asked Jesus how to pray because they saw something different about how Jesus prayed. And they saw that if it was a priority for Jesus then therefore it ought to be a priority for them. They saw Jesus call God Father, and it was something that was intimate 
and something that was close. It was not simply addressing God as if God was far, far away. And as if God was merely an acquaintance rather than a loving father. And so last time, as we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, we thought about Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. And by extension, how Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Now, obviously the last time we thought about Jesus talking about private prayer. And sometimes I've heard people using a passage like this, like the Lord's Prayer, and where Jesus says, you know, when you pray, go away in secret, shut the door uh, behind you, to say that all prayer should be private. Now, of course, if you know your Scripture and you know your Bible, then that's unjustifiable. Because Jesus was not excluding corporate prayer. And indeed prayed corporately. He prayed with other people. And of course the early church spent time praying together. Indeed as Acts chapter 2 says. It was one of the things that they spent their time devoted to. What does it say in Acts chapter 2? They broke bread. They had fellowship. They listened to the teaching of the apostles. And they prayed. They prayed. Praying is fundamental to the church. Indeed, it's one of the marks of the church. When the two churches in West Kilbride, certainly Church of Scotland churches, joined together in 2010, we basically stopped everything in the church. If you remember back to those times, if you were here, part of the congregation at that time, we stopped all the organizations and we started from scratch. Or almost. The only thing that we continued to hold was the church prayer meeting on a Wednesday evening. That's all we did. We did nothing else. We met together on a Sunday and we prayed on a Wednesday. That was it. Now why did we do that? Why did we leave prayer as one of the things that we did together? Because it's so key, isn't it? It's so key for the church to meet together and to pray together and to seek after God. It's fundamental. Now, in today's passage in Acts chapter 4, we see the believers together. Now, the context for this is that Peter and John, two of the disciples, two of the apostles, have been arrested for, for proclaiming the gospel. But now, they've been, after being beaten, they've been released from prison. And their first thought when they're released from prison is to go and to join together with God's people and to pray. Did you notice that in our passage today? And so, when Peter and John are released, they they go, they find God's people, they find the church family of which they are a part, they report all that they've been through, and then they spend time in prayer. And it says in our passage this morning that they raise their voices together. Now, if we look at the content of their prayer this morning, it is an amazing prayer. Because after Peter and John have been imprisoned and then questioned, you would have thought that they would have been praying for protection or or praying, Lord, we don't want to be in that situation again. It's just, you know, it's horrible. We don't want to be in prison. We don't want to be beaten up again. But that's not in the prayer, is it? What do they pray? Well, 
They don't shy back in their prayer, do they? You see, there might be a place at various times for taking a step back. Remember when Peter was in prison later, if you know the book of Acts, that he hid away. But not here. Now what is their prayer? Well, their prayer here in Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John have been released, what's their prayer? To speak with more boldness. That's quite a prayer, is it not? To speak with more boldness. To go back into danger. That's basically what they're praying for. And for God to give them the strength to do so. I wonder if we would be the same in that situation when things were difficult. To speak with more boldness. To pray for more signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. That's what they pray for. And they pray. They pray together. They pray with conviction. And after they've prayed, what happens? The place where they're meeting is shaken. Which must have been quite something when they were there. And I hope you noticed also that their prayer was answered. Because what happens right at the end in verse 31, they they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak the word of God boldly. So I want you to notice in this passage that God heard, he answered their prayer, and he empowered the believers with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you to see is that the early church was unafraid to meet together and to pray together. Indeed, they made it a priority. At the Wednesday Fellowship just on Wednesday past, we looked at a passage a couple of chapters later in Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 60, there is a problem in the church where the church might have been tempted to focus on a, on a very worthy social issue rather than focus on their main focus, which was teaching the Word and prayer. And in Acts chapter 60, they dealt wisely with the social issue by setting apart deacons so that they could focus on teaching and prayer. And maybe we need to learn from that. You see, the question, as we're thinking about prayer during this month, is, is prayer really a priority for us? Is it really a priority for us? Is it a priority for us as individuals? And is it a priority for us as a church? You see, what I want to say to you today is that meeting together to pray is a real joy. Sometimes we lose that. We think, oh, don't fancy going too scary to go to a prayer meeting. Why would I go to a prayer meeting? That's just far too scary. It's a joy. That's what I want to get across to you this morning. Now that's not to say that it's easy being in a prayer meeting. Sometimes we, we come together to pray. And those who are regularly here on a Tuesday morning and a Wednesday will know exactly what I mean. Sometimes we come together to pray, and it is hard going. It's like you're trying to walk through treacle. We pray together, and it's as if God isn't there. But at other times, when we pray together, the presence of God is tangible among us. And let me tell you, when that happens, it is the most exciting meeting of the week. You see, what are we doing when we join together in prayer? 
Well, as brothers and sisters, as church family together, we are seeking after the Lord. And when we're struggling to pray in and of ourselves, then we can listen to our brothers and sisters pray. And we can say amen to their prayers. And they lift up our hands. And if we're struggling in our lives, they can pray for us and we can pray for them. When others might be struggling to pray, we can pray. We can lift up our brothers and sisters' feeble arms. We can strengthen their weak knees. There is true joy in seeking God together. Do you believe that this morning? Or do you think, oh no, it sounds awful. It's wonderful. As we come to this idea of corporate prayer today, you might be thinking to yourself, listen, I'm not a very good speaker. I can't can't really pray. I really struggle to pray. But most of us here this morning can speak, can't we? And all that prayer is, is speaking to God. And all corporate prayer is, is speaking to God with our brothers and sisters listening in. That's all it is, really. It doesn't need to be eloquent. It doesn't need to be grammatically correct. It just needs to be from the heart. And there's nothing to be nervous of. Sometimes you think, oh, I really struggle to pray. I remember being in a prayer meeting when I was 14, 15 and there were retired ministers there. They'd been, you know, ministers for 40 years. And they came out with these incredible, long, amazing prayers. I was like, oh, how could I pray? But they were greatly encouraging to me as a 14, 15-year-old. I said to me, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you pray. We are there to support you. When you're stumbling over your words, we're willing you on. There's nothing to be nervous of. Because you're with family. That's what church is. It's family who are supporting you. They're on your side. So what about it? How about praying together? At the Wednesday Fellowship, you might not know this, we've been praying for more people to come to pray. Whether on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday evening, would you think about coming and praying? Not out of compulsion. I don't want you to think, you know, I'm being twisted, you know, to come. I want you to come because it's the most exciting meeting in the week. When we seek the Lord together and where we bring our prayers and petitions before God and where we see prayers answered. As you know, we've set aside this month of prayer to pray for the church because we are concerned. We're concerned about the church. We're concerned about the Church of Scotland. We're concerned about the church in West Kilbride. We're concerned about the church. We long for God to move through His Holy Spirit. I've been reading a book, in fact I just finished a book, um, called Sleeping Giant by Tommy McNeil, who's a minister up in Stornoway in the Isle of Lewis. And it's a great book. It's well worth reading. As I read the book... Tommy recounts a story told by the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Not our Duncan Campbell, uh, but the one who was there during the revival on the island of Lewis between 1949 and 53. You see, sometimes we, we look at the book of Acts and we see God moving in power there. 
And it feels a wee bit removed from us. We think, well, could God do that in our day? Could God really move in such a way? I want you to hear this account by Duncan Campbell of a prayer meeting in Arnold on the Isle of Lewis. This is what he says. I would say there were about 30 of us there, including five ministers. These men had burdens, longings to see God move in revival. And we were praying. And oh, the going was hard. At least I felt it was hard. It came to between midnight and one o'clock in the morning when I turned again to this blacksmith. And I said to him, John, I feel that God would have me call upon you to pray. Up until then, he was silent. And then that dear man began. And he must have prayed for about half an hour. He paused for a second or so and then looking up towards the heavens, he cried, God, do you know that your honor is at stake? You promised to pour out water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground. And God, you're not doing it. It was a bold and courageous prayer. He went on, If I know anything at all about my own poor heart, I think I can say, and I think that you know, that I am thirsty. I'm thirsty to see the devil defeated in this parish. I'm thirsty to see the community gripped. I'm longing for revival. And God, you're not doing it. I'm thirsty, and you promised to pour out water on me, God. God, I now take it upon myself to challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement. At this point, Duncan Campbell relates that the house shook. A jug on the sideboard fell on the floor and broke and his mind went back to Acts chapter 4. Then Duncan Campbell said, When John Smith stopped praying at 20 past 2, I pronounced the benediction. And left the house. What did I see? I saw the whole community alive. Men carrying chairs. Women carrying stools. And asking, is there room for us in the churches? And the Arnold revival broke out. That was in 1950. It wasn't all. Some of us are alive in 1950. It wasn't that long ago. There was boldness in prayer and the house was shaken. Do you believe that God is still the same God of Acts chapter 4? That's the challenge for us this morning. Do you believe He's still the same God? That when we seek Him together in prayer, that God can move in mighty power? But as we sit here this morning, do we say, well, It's an old dusty book. Do we truly believe in our hearts that God is still the same God? Do we believe that God is still a house shaker today? I believe he is. If you believe this morning that this God is the same God, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for him to move in power? And are we bold in prayer for him to do so? So this morning, together, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's keep praying. Not because we have to, 
but because it's the greatest desire of our hearts. And it's an unbelievable privilege today. Do you ever think about that? If God has worked in your heart, and you have been saved by God, and Jesus has brought you salvation, what a wonder it is that you are a new creation and that you can come before God and no matter what you're going through, at any point in your life, you can say, God, I would like you to help me. Lord, will you pray? can I pray for this person? And then what a privilege it is to have brothers and sisters in Christ. When you were saved, you're not just on your own. You're brothers and sisters together. That's the importance of the church. Some people say they can be a Christian without being part of the church. Well, that might be true, but you'll go cold very quickly. And what I often say to people is, well, in heaven you're not going to be on your own. You will be all around the throne together. You might as well get to know your brothers and sisters now when you're here on earth. So how about it this morning? Why not come, pray together? It's the greatest privilege in your life. Shall we just pray? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, we declare that we are thirsty. We are thirsty for you to come and to move in power. To move in power in our lives, in our individual lives. But also to move in power within our church family. To move in power in our community. That many might come into a relationship with you. That they too might know the joy of their salvation. And Lord God we ask for forgiveness for those times in our life when we're lukewarm. Or those times in our life if we're honest when we're cold towards you. Those times when we don't seek after you. Those times when we don't see prayer as a, a true privilege. Those times when we don't see prayer as a true joy. Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you that we're not just praying to the ceiling. That we're not just praying to make ourselves feel better. But we are praying to the creator of the universe. That we are praying to the one who was there at the beginning and who will be there at the end. that we are praying to the one who has given us a Savior in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would move in our midst through your Holy Spirit today. And Heavenly Father, that you would give us the passion to pray and to keep praying and to pray together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord God, we thank you for your word to us this day. We thank you for how you were working in the book of Acts. We thank you that Peter and John's first thought was to go and seek their brothers and sisters in Christ and to pray together. And Father, we thank you for their boldness in prayer. We thank you that when they prayed that you shook the place where they were. We thank you that you answered their prayer. Lord God, Will you answer our prayer this day, we pray. And fill us with your Holy Spirit. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.